Hey, you're about to listen to Trek Off, but before you do, I wanted to let you know that there is another podcast called Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. It's me and my buddy Arthur. We go through the Batman movies, the X-Men movies, the Avengers movies, movies like The Crow and Dr. Horrible and more. So please, while you're listening to this, hop over to wherever you subscribe to podcasts and subscribe to Totally Super. Okay, here's Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. The 5th of February, but on the 2nd of February, it uh, was Which, the ten- just for the record, was when we were originally going to record, but some like shit scheduling stuff yeah. came up. So I think it's kind of, I don't know. I think there's something there. It's Go okay. Uh, we, we are, it's our 10th birthday, guys. It's our 10th yep. birthday. February 2nd, Our 2011, time. we released Trek Off Episode 1, The Hosts Geek Out. Here is the uh, uh, the synopsis for this. The Endlight Podcast Network <laughs> launches. Remember. The Endlight Podcast Network launches before it's Geeks Radio. Our hosts, Justin and Alexia, talk everything from Trek to the Prime Timeline to Harry Potter to The Empire Strikes Back to Twilight. He thinks it sucks. She thinks it's not so sucky. Not so sucky to the sexual advantages of the ghost of Gene Roddenberry. Wow. Yeah, like when like I'm thinking of of ten years, and I'm thinking about like t- like the SS Chicken. Do you remember way back? Oh, kind of, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> like we were just both of us were so fucking drunk, and we just did like some just ridiculously silly improv like episode or something. I don't even know what you call it. Um, and how often, like, we just wouldn't talk. I'm like, I, to this day, I'm astounded anybody listens to us. Like, what, no, totally. like why us? Yeah. <laughs> like, especially if you started at the beginning and thought it was a Star Trek podcast. And, like, I think that was that became our thing pretty quickly. It was like, oh, we're about, I don't know, halfway in. Maybe we should talk about Star Trek or something. Well, I think that I, I like. And we've gotten better, I think. We've gotten uh, more. I'm gonna say professional. I don't like that word. Uh, for some reason experience. Right now. We, remember, we've done. You know, we've done a hundred. <laughs> we, oh, hold on. It says right here we have done two hundred and ninety-two episodes. Wow. Of Trek Off. That's a lot. It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> and and I like going back and going that oh, even our very first episode, our thesis statement was we're talking about Twilight, Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Star Trek. Star Trek's part of it, but we're talking about lots of things. The show started, um, the story that we've told, we cannot decide if we had this conversation at one restaurant or the other. There were <laughs> there was one night where we attended two restaurants. Uh because <laughs> there was because one closed and then we went to a Denny's and we had a conversation over the course of those two restaurants in a single night after you had performed in Tartuffe, I believe, correct? Was it Tartuffe? Yeah, I honestly don't remember which show it was. I think that doesn't sound wrong. I think it was Tartuffe. And and you had already done um, Monsters and Vampires with me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know you that- many, many a zombie for you. Sure, but I didn't know you that, I didn't know you that well. And Mm -hmm. and frankly, you, I don't even know if you had auditioned for Zombies or Monsters. Uh, Like, I don't know if you ever came in and did a full on audition for, audition for, for for the first one for, for first zombies? or second for zombies or monsters um yeah monsters i did no i'm sorry so, um, i'm sorry zombies or vampires zombies or vampires um, and vampires i did you did but for, you va- didn't, for vampires but you didn't cast me except um, in every scene no, with the exception of casting was... you in nearly every scene in vampires no. you're in tons of scenes in vampires you're I'm in not. The, you're in the you're in the warehouse scene getting killed <laughs> and know. you're in the other warehouse scene getting, getting killed. killed then you're no, outside I'm just, of the mansion was, getting killed 
and that you're you're you, you die at least three times in that movie sure no I, the way the the that goes is like i heard about it's so random too it's lovely how the world works this way i heard about vampires not i'm sorry uh zombies because i was doing a show um with carla all right and she said that hey i'm doing this thing um, this like local indie thing. Is anybody uh, interested? We need like zombie extras. Like, who is there anybody who thinks that would be fun? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. On our first night. <laughs> yes, I met you the very first night of shooting. I remember it clearly because I was nervous as all hell. And I'm uh, anybody who actually knows me um, knows that I'm incredibly shy. And um, that's why, because I, I remember this point really clearly. Because I was like, damn it, why didn't I say that? Um, huh? You were doing the makeup on one of the first zombies, and you were like doing these um, like veiny things by the eyes. And you were like, "Let me know what this is." You know what I'm doing right here? What this is called? And I'm like, "Oh, he's doing like the 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 like evil willow look. I see what he's doing. Okay." But I didn't say anything because I was nervous and and shy, and I didn't want to be wrong because you were the director. Um, and then you said what it was, and I was like, "Dude, I should have said it." <laughs> it's one of those moments that you just like have as a human being where you're like, "Damn it!" And I was like, "I knew I liked this guy," because if it wasn't that, I like I I didn't know what your answer was gonna be, but like that answer to me was like it I had like two emotions of like damn it you should have just said what you thought it was because you were right um and then like the second thought was like this is my kind of dude right here like uh-huh. <laughs> that that's what he's referencing like that's where it is that's what he's going to to make this zombie look um makes my, you just go like my people <laughs> my favorite moment with you in ninjas versus zombies is and I think Mr. A is there too uh Will's character Herman <laughs> is running down the stairs and he opens up a door Yes. And there's a bunch of zombies outside and he runs, he, he he slams the door on them and he turns around and runs into his garage, but his garage is also filled with zombies. And yes. so he has to turn back around and face the big bad guy played by PJ. And yep. we only had <laughs> you and Mr. A and I think like two other people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so we made you up as zombies and we got the one shot of him opening the door. I did a big fast close up of you going at the camera. Right? And he slams the door. Then I had everybody change their clothes and put on hats. Uh, yes, all those, the hats that we had to put on, and it was made more difficult, I think, by the fact that, like, I had blue hair at the time, which is, ob- is one of those things that just catches your eye, and so I was, like, trying to stuff it, like, and hide it, like, as much in this, like, ridiculous, I forget what kind of ridiculous hat I had on, uh, <laughs> to be like, see, I am a different zombie, ha ha ha, but that shit and was fucking later- in the original cut of the movie, not the, the cut that you can see on Amazon is not the original cut of the movie. It's the director's cut. It's about six minutes longer. Um, but in the original cut of the movie, you're the first day we shot, you are only half a zombie in that from one angle, Melanie starts charts growling and then i go to the wide and it's you growling which oh. again given that you have blue hair yes <laughs> it's so clearly a different person right so in some scenes you're two zombies and in other scenes <laughs> you're only half a zombie that first night of ninjas versus zombies that first night of ninjas versus zombies i had shot delivers free evil which is the movie that i made uh when i was in my freshman year of college so i shot that just on a vhs camcorder then i had shot <laughs> Days Insanity 2, which I shot on like a little high eight digital cam. And that was like 40 minutes long, but that also had no budget. It was just like in my house and like there were supposed to be bars on the window. So I took little tiny dowel rods and covered them in, in tinfoil. 
Like that's nice. that's the level of of production. We're all but spec. this movie we <laughs> this movie we had some money and we had we had you know not a ton but enough that we could do bigger stuff. And so this was my first time really shooting as a director who is shooting something semi-real. And so we had like a crane and we did like 70 takes of, of an actor named Dan Guy walking across the room to the other side of the room. Like 70 takes. The entire first night was him walking into a store and walking into the camera. The second night was the reverse of that and him having a conversation. It's the entire first weekend. Yes. The yep. entire shoot, and I, Over you know, why I remember this is because I, ha- I had to like, I'm, I am such an actor, okay, that my, zo- I had to have, um, like motivation for my zombie. I decided everybody ready for some like <laughs> for theater fuck, zombie, fuck. yeah, and so I kept <gasps> running in, like I, I kept running into like one of the um displays. Because and oh, I, yeah, I, I, I ha, yeah, you were. Yes, that was what you wanted. Thing. Like you were like, yeah. that's great. <laughs> and so I'm like staring, and in my little zombie mind, there was this. Um, there, <laughs> there was on that the shelf with some comics. There was like a little. Um, I think it was like an alien um figure or something, and I was like trying to go eat it, and like perplexed that I oh couldn't reach it. Like and that was my whole motivation, and I hope it plays in this scene. But like, was so funny too is what I really remember about that night. It was about that whole weekend shooting was that um how terrified I was of you. But then I like met PJ and and Dan, and we had a fucking blast. And PJ named me. I was the first. Like that became a PJ thing. PJ named all the zombies. Yes, but he started started with me. All right. And then it became a thing. And I thought that was so cool. And we, because we just goofed off a lot while you were like setting up uh, shots. Because <laughs> I'm sure you were like, well, it's so, oh, it's so, so stressed out because it was such a right? small space too. If, if, I recall. if you go if, cut, cut to ninjas versus monsters and we're like hey we've got six hours we're gonna be shooting three fight scenes and two mm-hmm. huge things of dialogue in yeah. six hours just go we'll set up three cameras just go do it again go just go just go all right yeah we'll just run around you this time with the camera this time the camera's running towards you and like <laughs> it looks so much better in monsters than it does in zombies and <laughs> The idea that we spent a weekend shooting somebody walking across a store <laughs> was ridiculous uh, at but the budget is, we were at. Sure, but also, I mean, in fairness, it's like you'd rather have more than you need than not enough, right? You know? Yeah, but so. I'd rather have more time to shoot the other stuff. <laughs> stuff. So, so then we did, of course, we did vampires. And then after vampires, I saw you in Tartuffe. And I didn't really know at that point, you know, and in fairness to me, the, <laughs> the fact that I don't remember your audition has to be put up next to the fact that we had, for vampires in particular, hundreds and, and monsters as well. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of people. Yeah, it was um, packed. And so I, you know, if you weren't able to make an impression in the first three seconds of your audition, you might well get forgotten and I never knew what you could do but my mom had said to me hey I just saw this production I th- I'm sure it was is Tartuffe I just saw this, this production of Tartuffe and timeline <laughs> and Alexia is in it and she is in your movie and I was like oh yeah I kind of know her she she was a, a, a zombie and my mom was like she is spectacular in this play you have to see her you have to see oh, how good she so is <laughs> and I went and she wasn't wrong I thought that 
Aww. Everyone was good in the play, but I thought in particular, I was particularly taken by you and by Ashley. The two of you really, really had something up there to the point where, because um, then I did Christmas Carol with Ashley. Um, well, no, no, I don't know if it does work out this whole timeline because when I was writing vampires, Ashley was, maybe I- Was the I inspiration. Think, I, I think I had met, and I don't want to say inspiration for whatever who, Um but but Ashley was instrumental to my writing process of vampires. So so maybe it was right before. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But whatever happened, I didn't really understand what it was that you were capable of. And then we talked after that show, and I was like, "Hey, let's do let let's do a podcast." And we've talked, told that story a bunch of times. And then you did monsters, and I was like, "Oh oh oh, okay. I know. I like. I would. I could use you in a, like. I know how to use you if I make more movies." Um, <laughs> Um, uh, and I remember I and I've long since let go of this shit but like I had this thing about where I wanted to always uh, to not feel like I'd been given a part or had a part written for me like always wanted to be like I gotta earn it and like that's just not even how it works in Hollywood like it's just it was such a ridiculous standard that I had for myself Uh, and so I'm like so glad I've stopped that I'm like if anybody wants to write a part for me fucking go nuts okay I'll be there there for it um but well, that was I, one so of those you did play you played the guide in Ninja's yeah and you had kind of written it if i as i recall like it it at least been partially inspired by by me because we'd been doing the podcast sure but and there are there are multiple people i mean there were you know, there were other people that could have done it one of them, i recall that, that that when it came down to the the part it's great to have that inspiration when you start writing but the part ends up the movie ends up kind of writing itself and the character takes on a life of their own by the end no matter where you started if you've seen so, canceled you would know this that's his process it's very it's obviously a little bit uh autobiographical in a way yes, you're the absolutely. writer in that um, um but um, the but there were two other actresses who really knocked it out of the park for the guide as well um who we considered very strongly and we you know when you're casting you have that moment where you're like Okay, we've precast this role, but in fairness, let's take a real hard look. And that's the point where if someone doesn't mm-hmm. bring it in an audition, that you're like, well, yeah, I'm sorry, we just got to go. And that's a decision that I've made forever, up to including myself. I was supposed to play PJ's role in Zombies, <laughs> so I wrote it for me. Yeah, um, it's it's the and reason- I've and I've I've seen that th- that happened too. Like I've seen people who have stuff um, that was written for them or whatever, and and then they don't. Um, they. Like the one thing that I think that you've never done and I hope I've never done is I like never taken it lightly. Like I didn't like I definitely was like, fuck, I got to try to get this role. Like I know I partially inspired it, but like that doesn't mean I just get it. Like I have to fucking show up and and show that I can do it, that I'm going to put in the work and not just phone it in or like take it for granted because I've seen a lot of people do that. They'll just kind of take it for granted. And I'm like, why? I just don't understand why that's what you're putting forward. Like, cause we did, uh, when we would, uh, there was some, I feel like there was a movie we did that was not with you. It was prior to you. Um, and that was the way it was. Like we had done stage versions and some of the people from the stage had come and just didn't like, just kind of thought, I don't know what, like, I'm not really auditioning. Like I just have this in the bag maybe and just didn't even try. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to try, like, I, I mean, th- this is going to be different than doing it on stage. It's a completely different process. There's, 
you know, it's a different kind of style. Like if you come into this being all stage actory, that shit's going to look really big on screen. <laughs> it's not going to work out. Yeah, I think that the thing to remember when casting is happening is that you can't worry about how someone feels, unfortunately. Yeah, and because it's ha- and especially it's hard. more with movies than with plays, and this is why the movies last forever. Yep, people are still watching monsters. Yep. People, I still get emails. I got an email last week about ninjas versus vampires. Like they continue and they don't go away. And that movie's 11 years old. You do a play and if you get cast in a play because someone doesn't want to hurt your feelings, the, you know you rehearse for four weeks, you, re- you perform for four weeks, and then you're done. Yep. Eight weeks and it's done. If you're wrong in a movie, the critics will rip you apart yep. and it's those reviews last forever too you know and if the movie's good and you're the bad one in it yeah that's even worse so now when i cast a movie i really have to think to myself what are audiences saying about this person's performance 10 years from now I have to think yeah. about that. Not what did I feel in the room when I was with them. Not how. Yeah, well- because sometimes that's so different too. Like that was one of the things I thought was so like I like having been on kind of both sides of it. Um, I'm not sure which side I, I think is worse. Like though, on the one side, you kind of just feel like this piece of meat uh, that's being like graded on whether or not it's worthy. Uh, of being the meat that's going to be used in this pro- in this in this production run, or like being the person that has to make the decision and having more than one person be good in the room, but like. <sighs> don't know if that's the same like sometimes you got to go look at the tapes and then it's like wow this wasn't how it looked it's like this I, when i was in the room i was feeling it but like now when i'm looking at on like the screen it's not it's not conveying the same like they're just different mediums and i never and that was something i remember being sort of uh surprised by like i didn't think that would happen i don't know why but i i, I get naivete i had never done it before so, so let me let me put this out there for anyone who is an actor who is listening to this and i'm sure some of you are um here are some truths that you should know about auditioning from someone who has now run quite a few auditions in my time, mm. both for my stuff and, and who has been, I've been asked to come in and cast other people's stuff too. And here's the first thing you need to know. You're not a piece of meat. <laughs> and if you make it in front of, if you get to the point where you are in front of the casting person or in front of the director, they want you to succeed. Yes. They are they, desperate. They do. They don't yep. just want you to con- succeed. They are. De- you ever been in the grocery store store and you're thinking you're a piece of meat like you're a piece of chicken right but you ever Mm. been to the grocery store looking so okay so uh, something you'll appreciate um i my wife mrs j uh can't really do dairy anymore but she really wanted some sasiki for Mm. to to dip stuff in and see I, i knew you'd like it um, yeah, you gotta like some tzatziki. Um, and so we got uh, some almond milk yogurt, and I was looking for tzatziki, like stirring for it, because you would do a little sour cream, a little yogurt, and tzatziki. You would think it would be like a like a, a Hidden Valley like little packet that you can stir in, right? You think it exists, <laughs> and it doesn't exist. You can't find it. No. Like it, it's not there, and it, it's it's crazy to me because like every fucking like street cart in New York has tzatziki, mm-hmm. like in a bottle like in, in a little like 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 plastic ketchup bottle that they should you, you should you think it's easy to get this stuff but you can't so imagine that image of me going up and down the aisles frantically mm-hmm. searching to get my wife that seasoning that she really wants to have realizing that nothing's quite right there's a bunch of stuff that's close 
and nothing's yep. quite right and and searching as hard as you can here's the the honest to god truth it's never gonna be right when you're the casting agent you will maybe give it to someone who's giving you something totally different than what you wanted that you loved but when you wrote it in your head it's just something in your head anybody who steps before you in an audition brings with them their essential them and that's not yeah. what you wrote. Even if you wrote it for them, they're yep. going to say a line that's not the way you thought. They're going to look not the way you did. They're going to make an expression that's not what you're looking for. They're going to be taller, shorter, thinner, fatter, louder, quieter, bigger in their performance or smaller in their performance. They're going to have an accent or not. They're going to joke where you were serious. They're going to be serious where you were writing a joke. It's it's all, it's never going to be, you're never going to find that Hidden Valley tzatziki sauce that you're looking for. So what you end mm -hmm. up doing with everybody you ever cast is, I don't want to say you end up settling, but you end up going, okay, I'm not going to get the thing that I wanted. What can I get instead? And that is mm -hmm. always the thing that happens. It's like, like well, there, there are so there are times though, and that's why I think what you're saying is like, like I know that from an actor standpoint that they want you to succeed because they want they want the role filled, they want the perfect yeah. fit, right? And every once in a while, like that happens, and it is just such a relief when you're on the other side. Like I remember there were some casting decisions that were really hard, and I hated those, and I loved the ones where it was just like that person just for whatever reason comes in, does the thing, and it's just perfect, and it's like ah, oh, that's done like you just check that you check that off that weight that's on your shoulders before you're putting together any kind of a, a movie production it's it's hard and yeah. especially like I, I was i was i went to i remember which workshop once um and like it was done by this guy who's has uh, you know acting credits and um voice acting credits and you know uh, but he's like and i say this simply because it's not a typical kind of a look general like you don't see this a lot you know, he's he was a very tall um redheaded uh gentleman and he talks about how like i thought you know so so many times he'd go to an audition thinking like i mean i'm this like it kind of calls for this tall redheaded look and i have that like and i can act it should be in the bag right and he's like and then i walk in there and like i'm looking at 15 me's yeah well that's especially, and that's like nuts especially people know? in new york and la but even yep. here in dc like there yeah. are oh definitely so many people who who so i think that the other thing that you need to realize when you're coming in is that one that people want you to succeed and two the littlest thing can make somebody else get or somebody else not get and yep. sometimes the director so i'll give a great example liz christmas who was in the trek off movie doing uh doing amazing hula hoop work mm -hmm. auditioned for the role of a character named lorna who i had written as like a morticia adams type of character very dark and and yes i was almost like of female smithers okay and liz christmas comes in and and she plays it like this, this bizarre psychotic pixie who will laugh and smile and flirt with you and then stab you in the face. And it was so not what I was looking for, mm. but it made me change the character. That was pretty much true of the way that, that um, another actress named Jasmine came in and yep. and took a role that was written for a dude and Which made me change good. my mind and, and go, oh, that's a different way to go. So And it made for such a better, like such a more interesting like choice. And, and I remember at the time when 
I, I was, you know, on the other side. I wasn't wasn't with you guys in the decision making seat. But I remember being like, good on you. Like I was I was so pleased when that occurred. Because I remember it kind of buzzed throughout had the room because it was a big space that we were all in, like big cattle call type situation. And like, I was like, that's a male character. Interesting. And he's calling in a girl for it. That's awesome. Because I, I, I really didn't expect it of you. Like, I never, I never expect it. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have expected it in a small indie film, yeah. you know. And, and so I was like, "That's that's really cool." And there were definitely plenty of guys there that could have played that role, and it would have been fine. But like her, but but casting her, first of all, she is uh, just. I'm trying to think of a way to like. She's she did got a really such, good job. She did a really. She's good just job. got such power. There's like a power about her that I don't. You know what I mean? Yep. That that's like. That she's got it reined in and has like a calm, like she just kind of felt like the character in a way. Um, and you, that's the kind of thing that you can't, like for all you would be actors out there, like the thing you got to try to tell yourself sometimes, like it's not what your energy is, is like not your fault. You know, like you can't change that any more than you can change how tall you are. And like in my case, how frequently I don't get cast because I'm a giant. Um, and like you can't change the, like how long your arms are or the shape of your arches or there's there's certain fundamentals you can't change about yourself and I think your energy to some extent is, is a part of that and like it could be as simple as that or it could be something crazy like that you remind some random person who happens to be a part of the casting team of like a an ex that they just can't stand and they aren't even aware of that well I think, you know I think about that more, shit you know I, I think more I think I mean that I was always told that when I was an actor and then I cast it and that was not a thing at all but I'll tell you what would happen that people couldn't control it, what could happen is that there's already a character that is getting cast who looks like you and mm. you are like trying especially in a low budget film where you don't have stars that you can immediately just go like I know that's Tom Cruise because I'm looking at his face and I know that's Tom Cruise you are yeah. trying as hard as you can to go I need a blonde and a brunette and a redhead I need a tall dude a, a tall dude a short dude a dude with spiky hair I need a I, I need, you know, a guy with dark skin, a guy with light skin. I need a guy with an accent, a guy without, because you know that you don't have any stars. So you know that when your audience- You want things that'll help differentiate. When your audience yeah, is yeah. watching the movie, they'll go, you know, the bald dude. And then you just, like, you just can refer to him in, in those terms. Yeah, and, and I know there's many movies I've seen, not even just like low end indie stuff, but like like Hollywood indie stuff where I've been like, wait, is that the same girl from the other scene? Like yeah. just because they looked that similar, and it's like they both were doing a good job, they were both fine, but I'm like, yeah, there's like an added confusion if they don't have, you know, if it's not like, well, that's clearly Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I, and I say all that to say this: <laughs> if you're ever auditioning. An audition is not a talent show. You don't win. You don't, you're not even in really competition for the role against other people. If you get to a point where you're in competition against other people, that means no one has done a good job, right? If it's like, well, Meetings, no, yeah, no one has blown it out of the park. Yeah, no one has point. been right. And if you feel like you're, that's the one thing I would say is never feel like you're in competition with other actors if you're an actor, because, because if it's a point where you're trying to outdo another actor, that means that neither of you were right for the role and, and it's just a matter of, which one of you is the director going to have to settle on? Um, and that sounds so negative. It, well, that's the thing is that that's why I <laughs> always say this: this business is a collaborative business, not a competitive business. You're not in competition oh, with yeah. other people. You're working with people. That person that you're with, that you're just being an extra on set for two movies, might turn around, make you the star of their podcast, a major character in their next movie, a star of their documentary, and do a show with you for ten years. Yeah, you, you never know? know. Like that's that's the like yeah, like you don't. You're just. 
waiting for you to be right for the thing that comes up. And yep. And I remember feeling that way, like being like after having done so much extra work for you and being like, you know, with with when I went to do vampire to audition for vampires, I was like, ooh, okay, maybe this will be the time I get a roll. And I didn't. And I remember, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was pretty upset. I was d- disappointed. Wouldn't be right, but like I got over it. You know, like you do. Uh, and then I'm like, when monsters comes, I'm like, ooh, maybe this will be my chance. Um, and regardless, though, the stuff that I did in the interim, like, was still fun because I still knew like PJ and Dan and and like got to chat with people. And that's the thing too, like people, like when you're doing something, like, I, and and this I know from experience, having been in a movie that was like I was in every scene in Quantum Suicide, like in, I think literally every scene. So. Um, I they, I had very little time to like kind of hang out and chat with anybody, and I'm like I always remember being like I really hope people don't think I'm like standoffish or a bitch or something. I just don't have time. Well, and I would <laughs> say this: be nice to everybody, but be oh you have to be. There nice. is a person who's a good Ooh. actress who I considered very strongly on the early stages of cancellation. Who I then spoke to some people, and evidently while they had been nice to me, they were really mm-hmm. dismissive of, of people who had smaller roles than them on a movie that they had done and that put them out of the running despite their talent because especially with indie film these are people that you you know when you say i need you to to stay for two more hours even though you're supposed to be out at 10 when you say you know i need you to come in an extra day when you say i need you to go and really promote the hell out of this film like these are people you're kind of going into battle with not just to make art, yep. but just to, you know, the the, the nuances of production. Yep. And if you are the jerk, it's going to be found out. And I've been the jerk, man. I've been, I, there are productions where I know that I screwed the pooch. Theater companies, you know, I, I, I am not getting a lot of calls from Keegan Theater, you know, because I <laughs> was in one of their productions. Um, two of the productions and I was not as awesome as I could have been yeah uh, frankly and and they rightly so if I were in their position don't have I left a bad taste in people's mouth and you don't want to be the person who does that um, mm-hmm. and you never know in the, like I there's a movie on Netflix actually I want to say oh fuck I can't remember what it's called but it's like a dance movie and it's really great because this girl in the movie um, the way it starts out she's like really 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 good dancer like that's evident and she's going to this audition and she's like out in the rain sees a taxi and runs for it like see like locks eyes with this older woman across the street and she's running late for her audition so she like runs and books for it and gets there just in time like gets there pretty much at the same time as the older woman and kind of like steals her cab because she's like i'm sorry this is a matter of life and death because it's her audition she doesn't want to be late and she goes through the whole audition process does really well and is clearly like gonna be getting like this lead role at this point like because in dance like, particularly in broadway going. um and then she's at that last point was like her and two other chicks and in comes this soaking sopping wet older lady that was the one she stole the cab from and it turns out this older lady that she didn't fucking know from anybody was actually this huge name in the Broadway world. And like, so not only was she not getting this part, like she was not getting anything. Like she, she's done. Like her career was over. It was like, you're done in New York. Like, bye. And it's that. And it can happen that fucking fast, man. Yeah. Like she just, if, if for no other reason, that's a good reason just to be kind to everybody. <laughs> also, <laughs> just know? be nice to people. So, and it's, and it feels good to just be nice to other people. I'm just saying, I don't know about, I don't know about everybody else. I can't speak for everybody, but, I 
feel better being nice to more people. I always feel terrible when I'm not nice to somebody. So we started Except doing, you. Yeah, we started doing <laughs> the show for a couple of years, and then we started doing it at conventions, and we started doing mm-hmm. it at Balticon and at... Oh. Um, I'm trying to think of Shirley. Oh, Shirley. And yeah. Farpoint and eventually Awesome Con. Interconvention. Was that, is that what it's called? Intervention? Intervention. And we decided, wouldn't it be fun to just start shooting it? And then we started bringing more cameras. Then we started bringing like five cameras and interviewing people. And before we knew it, we had a 13-hour documentary on our hands. I know, right? <laughs> um, let me tell you a few things as a documentary filmmaker. Why Trekoff is not out there for people to to really watch and why it, it doesn't work anymore as a movie. And this is what I would not do if you were a documentary filmmaker, just so I've given advice to actors. Here's my advice to documentary filmmakers. Don't make your entire movie about current pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> because it turns out when you dedicate, you know, the, the movie by the time we edited it down was an hour and 20 minutes. When you dedicate 20 minutes of the movie to your opinion about Star Trek Into Darkness, another 10 minutes of the movie about your opinion about Batfleck, and you end up going, oh, a third of my movie is hopelessly, hopelessly out of date. (laughs) And then if you take three years to release it, Mm. and you're like, oh, nothing. So if you're going to make a documentary movie, choose a subject that will still be interesting in five years. Mm -hmm. Because if your entire movie is about what's going on right now, that's what a podcast should be about. Yeah. There's stuff about the movie I'm proud about. I think the burlesque show is neat that we that we sponsored one and I know and co-directed. No, I, so, I don't want to say co-directed. So it was our no, idea, we and it was, we said it we, was like an inspiration nugget. Like, hey, would you guys be yeah. down for we produced this as an inspiration? It. We, I, we we are the exact example of what producers would be. We came up with the idea. We said, here are the ten things we want, and then we handed it off to a capable director in in Clementine, and yep. she she took it and ran and gathered incredibly smart and and talented people to be in it and Mm -hmm. um and certainly watching um sorry certainly watching Allie's journey through the movie as she deals with her first time being on stage doing burlesque is is my favorite part of the movie because she is it's just such a genuine thing that she gets to do but uh but we did that that took over kind of the show and everything we talked about for like three years was just the fact that we were making this movie in the background of doing the show yeah um, and we we released the movie in a giant theater to a crowd of tens, and <laughs> and, and enjoyed as as fifty people that watched. Was, it. Yes, um, and there was no uh, pandemic at yeah. the time, so so um. <laughs> so so it was it was a wonderful fun thing we did. I'm glad that we did it. Um, oh, I am too. I, um, we had a lot of fun on that journey, yes. like regardless of um, the finished product, uh, the doing. I like the finished product. I don't dislike it. Fun. I like watching. Oh it, no, I do. I do too. But what it, I'm saying, I, I know what you mean, though, right? It's like, but I'd never release it. The reason that I pulled it out of release is that it doesn't. The the reviews that we were getting were fair. This is not a movie. We're watching someone's home movies, and yeah, and it, I could see that. That's you know, fair. It's it's fun. It's well edited. I think we're fun in it but when you take away well, any- and if you and if you like us yeah i think you're you know <laughs> but if you take away you probably the cult- enjoy if you take away anything that's culturally relevant because all we're doing is talking about what we heard on on entertainment news like the week before <laughs> you know it would be like you and i like imagine we spent like 10 minutes of the movie speculating about whether or not we were going to like i don't let's say something big 
Avengers, Avengers Infinity War. One of the biggest movies of all time deserves to be talked about a whole bunch. But can you imagine a feature film where like 20 minutes of it is how much we like or dislike Avengers Infinity War? And you're trying to watch that movie in 2022? Like, good, you liked it or good, you didn't like it. But that's a that's you guys talking about a movie from five years ago <laughs> for a half hour in a movie. <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> do, do you want to watch a movie about... How much people liked or disliked Batman Forever? This movie? Yeah. No. Turns out that's not really a movie. Turns out, turns out that's not a winning formula. Hey, so we, did, so we, we got to learn, yo. Uh, the the Light Podcast Network really technically started with a show called The Suckcast, which was a tie-in to Ninjas vs. Zombies that was done by Dan Guy and Corey and Will. And then we were the second. And to, to launch the network, that show ended. We added Pop-Off. Pop-Off ended. Uh, we had Ninjas versus You. That ended. RJ, Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood. That ended. The Hot Mess with Phil Stamper. That ended. And eventually I, I started up the to- the Totally Super Podcast with Arthur, which is still going. And the Geeks Radio has kind of become these two shows uh, that we did. That all started 10 years ago with The Journey. Our show was, for anyone who wants to go back and listen, much dirtier in the first few years. Oh, when you yeah. w- would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Like we, we there was a freedom I think yeah. that we had <laughs> that I think well, was, that was sort of, of the, that was of the times. Like I don't know that it's necessarily our fault or maybe it is. Maybe this is what happens when you get old and like now it's get off my lawn. I don't know. I think a few things happened. Here here are the few things that happened. One, I became very aware of the fact that I have kids mm-hmm. um and and now a teenager and I also <laughs> have a show that can be searched. Um so it's always sort of in the back of my head that some asshole bully kid could turn around and go, hey, here's here's a clip of your dad saying shit. You know, like that's always sort of in the back of my head. I don't want to give ammunition to assholes and, and middle school and high school can be filled with assholes. Okay. That's sort of in the back of my head. The second thing that's in my head is that the culture, the entire culture around sexual talk changed. Like really seriously, the Me Too movement came mm-hmm. and the Me Too movement started being, started about women and then the the objectification of men came out as well as being something that was, you know, you started hearing Chris Hemsworth didn't want to take off his shirt for a Thor movie and is being pressured to, you know, you start hearing about, you know, men talking about their sexual assault situation. Then you started having, you know, the the trans moment, the trans movement in the um, and the non-binary movement comes out. And so that starts happening. The entire conversation becomes fraught. Yeah, where, just, that's exactly what I was thinking of. And it's like, you do, and, and you and I, like, we don't hate on anybody. Um, yeah. And I don't, and I definitely don't want to accidentally, you know, like, it, it's it's easy to accidentally fuck up without uh, hatred in your heart. I there's think. an episode, there's a lost episode, I think it was our second episode, because our second episode is Lost to Time, where mm. you and I made fun of, and mostly me, but you participated too, made fun of Nathan Fillion for getting a little heavy after playing Mal on Firefly. And it was up for a year before we deleted it. And we were like, oh, not cool. And the the concept of ism being a thing that you think about, where some people might go, oh, PC police, blah, blah, blah. But you know, you know age, I, the thing I, the problem I have with words like sexism and ageism and racism and ableism is I think those words are so weak sauce that they make it so you can go, well, I'm not going to be all PC. And if you stop saying ageism and you start saying bullying older people and that makes them feel bad about themselves, that changes the thing. When you stop going, 
going, oh, you know, we're 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 body shaming. I think body shaming is a, is a weak word. It doesn't make you think anything. And and Dennis Leary used to have a bit about this where he made fun of the term PTSD. And at one point he said, you know, back in the 30s, we used to call it shell shocked. And back when it was called shell shocked. People are like, man, we got to do something for these people. Yeah. But but now that you can call it post-traumatic stress disorder, it's very easy to go, oh, that's too bad huh. and put it to the side. And he, and he said, maybe we should go back to calling it shell-shocked. So people are like, oh, we should take this seriously. Yeah, like that doesn't sound good. And I don't feel like we necessarily became more PC because I think PC is such is is, is the wrong term. No, I think, term- I think PC, I, I, and I remember the birth of PC. Like we were there for the birth of pc people were old okay um i remember the birth of pcism as it is as it was it was somewhere around the time i was entering college um and i remember even then being like you're missing the point it's not about being politically correct um it's about gives you just giving a fuck about how your words might affect someone else's feelings. <laughs> like it's really yeah. a, just a basic it's, it's, thing. It's called it's, giving a shit. Yeah. That's what it is. That's like what it's, it's not about like and when you call it that, when you do when you make it just PC and people are just coming up with terminology because I remember at the time it got really like and there were some people that I that I knew that I went to college with that took it like really to like another level. And then I could see where on the other side people were like, oh my god gosh fucking chill out already and it's like yes because now what you've done is you've 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 taken it to a place where it is seemingly all about i'm i have to frame this correctly and it's not about being correct or incorrect it's i think ultimately the idea when it began and what it was meant to be and what it should be is just the simple golden rule man like to unto others as you would have done unto you that's it like just if you don't you don't like it if somebody calls you something horrible somebody's like you fat whore like that doesn't make you feel good so don't do it like don't call someone else that it seems pretty straightforward yeah <laughs> and i and i think that where we started you have to keep in mind when we started south park was a bigger thing than it is now you had things mm-hmm. like the book of mormon were yep. coming out and as the as the biggest things in the world again from the makers of south park you know, i was listening to a lot of jim norton on the radio with opie and anthony shock radio cringe radio was really big at the time if you remember that oh, yeah. the idea was how much can you push the envelope and we really tried with our show to do that i wanted our show to be you know we're a star trek podcast but we say fuck and we talk about you know sperm and we you know and, and like and it, sex and sex the stuff that they don't talk about like at all that you and don't other see on star, trek. star trek podcasts that's the thing that we added to it but i think that even simple things is as you know is that like when we would play fuck mary kill which is still a fun game i i think sort of to play but there is the you know what would you say would you say that if they were in the room with you you know what i mean right? would, you, would you like would you go oh not harry kim oh no you know what no he's worthless kill him you know would you say that if garrett wong was in the room with you no i doubtful that would that because that would hurt his feelings you'd watch yeah. his face fall you'd watch you'd watch he'd been like oh that's too bad like you imagine garrett wong's walking around awesome con he's there to sign he's walking around just to kind of get a lay of the land and he pops his head in to see your panel 
And mm. in that panel, you happen to be at the point where you're like, yeah, well, I mean, he seems nice, but like, you know, I, I, I would never sleep with him. I certainly wouldn't want to marry him. So I guess we got to kill him. Like, can you imagine him being like, oh, Ouch. that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and there's the flip side, too. Like, I, I, and that's and this was even more recent, like when we were talking about, you know, just sexual stuff. And it was like, and I think that we try to say, like, this is not about who they are as people. That's not what's happening here. We're just talking about sex, baby. Um, and I, as you know, have a thing for Harry Kim. Like he was the like I was clear that um that Paris was the guy that you were supposed to that was supposed to be the, sort of the heartthrob, so to speak, of the show. Um, but for me, it was Harry Kim. And one of our listeners told me at one of our cons after like she had been to one of our and where I where I was expressing this. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I just, I, I met him and it just came out. And I'm like, what just came out? <laughs> like, and she just told him what I had said. I'm like, God, I would be, not that I'm likely to work with Harry Kim, uh, you know, Garrett Wong in the future, but like, if I ever did, like, I'm like, God, I would be so embarrassed. Like, what do I say? Um, so about all that, uh, sexy stuff. Um, I really respect you as a, as a person and, uh, I was just saying that you're hot. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, there's, there is, there is a, an uncomfortable truth when it comes to sex that is always kind of what's fun to dance around for the sake of comedy. And I still like sex comedies. Um, I watched, I watched a few, like there's, there's uh, one, and I found two that are one called sleeping with other people, which ended up being really just this heartbreaking story of friendship. Um, and like, like I like comedies that, that play with the expectations of it, but are, are also very, you know, into making fun of the, the Frank and, you know, honestly, a little bit gross idea of sex, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. the idea of that you're going to put that thing where you're going to do what, (laughs) what, what what's the, what are you really? Um, and I think that one of the things that is that is necessary when you are, and I, I want to tread very carefully because I don't want to be too frank because that's not what our show is anymore. But there's an element of sex that is necessarily involves objectification. Oh, um, yeah. Even with people that you love dearly, there is there is a point where if you are deeply in love and madly in love with with someone who you respect and you would die for them, you step in front of a bullet for for you know for them and. You 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 want their happiness more than you want their own or more than you want your own it's the most important thing in the entire world to you but if that person wears a nice shirt <laughs> suddenly that person becomes a pair of boobs walking around for a minute but that's <laughs> the, that, i think yeah, i think that we've i hope that we'll get to a point where we can um, I'm like actually, what's just dropped today on Netflix is "Stripped Down, Rise Up," and it's like a, a documentary on um pole dancing. Uh, and I, I, and, and she's talking about a lot about female empowerment and sexuality and um the the way we have to stop wrongifying it, if you will. And I'm like, I'm hopeful that we will get to a point that we will evolve enough as a species to realize to be to be able to talk about sex and and have sexual energy funny. be powerful because it's and, funny or guys. just have it be funny. Um, like if you haven't seen Big Mouth, dude, that's definitely one to watch. Uh, especially if you have a kid in high school, like he should watch it. Um, like it's got, I mean, it is definitely really really raunchy, but it explains so much in such an interesting way about 
hormones and um like they all have hormone monsters as they call it like that and they're like personified and it's just really interesting um so i i highly recommend that show to you and um and well, the okay, teenage so boy but I like i'm saying i hope we get to a point where it's like we can acknowledge sexuality and embrace it and have fun with it and sexual um, attraction and and yeah and not um and not have to have it go to a dark place or a place where it's not about consent or what have you like because it's it's just like that's the problem right it's like why i feel like that's sort of the place we're at right now like we're unfortunately there's so there's been so much abuse for so long yeah that people are afraid uh are becoming afraid of sexuality and it's like oh that's not the way either though well, do you know what i mean the, way the pendulum swings right it I think is that, yeah that there's there was a time when it was like hey eyes up here mm-hmm. right and i think i i hope just when i look at fashion i looked at now i think it's evolved to hey eyes up here unless i've made it clear i want your eyes down there in which case eyes down there um yeah like i've always been a proponent of showing you know me i love to show my boobs and i had a conversation no with the <laughs> the star of the short that i made the distanced and um we were talking specifically specifically about burlesque and i said the uncomfortable thing i have with burlesque is i don't know where to look because especially when we were doing the 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 trek burlesque for us like these were people i knew right (laughs) These, these were my my friends and people i respected and people who i wanted to know that i respected them and like i wanted that to be clear that i was not you know the these were very feminist women that i that i knew i would see i would call clementine a (laughs) feminist absolutely absolutely and so yeah. one when you're a dude, especially a dude who grew up in the in the less than feminist 80s and 90s, if you are of any kind of conscience, you kind of want to be like, hey, so you know, not only am I not one of those ba- kind of bad dudes, I'm not even the kind of bad dude I used to be. I mean, that's sort of what's in your head. So you get to a point where you're at a burlesque and they're like, here, I'm wearing pasties. My legs are completely spread and I'm <laughs> shoving my vagina in your face. And you go like, I don't know where to look right now. <laughs> what am I? What? What am I supposed to do? I just enjoy it, but not, but not touch it because you haven't been invited to. Sure, like that's then, how I. You know what I mean? Like that's what we need to get right. Where it's yeah. like you can recognize that that's a entertainment and it's an art form and it's cool and it's beautiful and you can appreciate it. Uh, and that doesn't have all, like to be wear a badge, a badge with a with with a number code that goes from like zero to fifty. And when it gets to fifty, fifty means I want you to look at me and put your hands all over my body and zero <laughs> means treat me like your 90 year old grandmother and <laughs> and we can decide based on who we're with just go oh okay 26 <laughs> so you just <laughs> <laughs> so you just I so like you to want like a like a number scale. Like, listen, I just, I just need some guidance. <laughs> what's okay to do? <laughs> I even worry, like, because I, you know, me, I'm a very uh, uh, handsy person. I mean, that makes it that makes me sound really bad, but like, I'm sure, a, no, but I get it. I'm a, I'm a hugger. I yeah, come like from, I'm, so I yes. come from a time, and specifically, you have to understand doing theater yep. from a culture, from a culture where, that, that we're very where, yeah. We're, we'd have lines of like. We would all line up and us and do like a fucking circle, a massage circle, a massage circle. Yeah, in high school. Yeah, the teachers telling us to, or just yeah. like I mean, 
and we would and we would hug we hug when we see each other like not just like hey it's like you hug um like that's just yeah that's the culture that you and i both have a background in and um and and yeah it makes me worry like little hugs we give like yeah like a really a hug yeah it's not like a oh hi every (laughs) Um, every part of you you know what the other person's got going on in those hugs it's just (laughs) kind of i'm not saying i'm not saying it's sexual no no i know but it's it's but it's a hug it's an intimate intimate. yeah you know it's it's Um, not the kind of hug i would give to my dad like there's a there's and even with other dudes like i give like there's a thing with the people that this is just how we do yeah. and and learning that like oh ask but and even recently i had i had I, a, a producer on cancellation said outright i'm not a hugger and i don't want to be hugged and there are about eight times over the course of the movie where i was like i'm just gonna hug you because this was amazing i pushed a hug on this person the last year and even now i'm thinking back and going like god you know at the time i did it what i was trying to do is I was trying to express my gratitude, my, my, and, my gratitude and my excitement, and yeah. in the moment it seemed like you know this is the moment where you step through and you you know you you have a picture in your head and you go I'm I'm just going to give you this hug I know it's not your thing but you deserve it and they uncomfortably gave me a hug back and at the time you're like you're, you're imagining the moment where like yeah that you think they're going to be like yeah this is that time good job on you. you know and yeah. instead you know it'll be like that moment in Cobra Kai where it's like oh we're friends now. I'm not here to fight you to the death the second time. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. I, I will give no more details, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and and you think that's going to be the moment. Instead, it's this awkward moment. And even now I think back and I'm like, gosh, okay. All right. Let's rethink that. Let's re let's reevaluate because <laughs> right, that person might think that I'm not 100% cool for, for what I did there, even though my intentions were good. So it's like trying to keep up with it and then trying to do a sex, a sex comedy show in the middle of that is like i i'm not only not sure what's okay for me to say or what i should or shouldn't say but i don't know how well it's going to play later and that's an important thing to think about when you're putting down media um especially we've been doing this for 10 years you watch a lot of movies now and you it's weird did you know there's a contingent of people the problematic nature of joss whedon aside who now consider buffy to be an incredibly dated and anti-feminist show i did not know that. yeah they're like have you noticed how buffy has no ha- has no people of color in it we go, oh oh goodness okay have you noticed how buffy has a tendency to to kill every lgbtq character who's on the show who's not willow oh oh have you noticed buffy is 10 times more brutal against women that they are against oh, oh and you go like you, you go back and you go wow there there are things have you noticed how xander is just like xander i loved and i look back on the show you notice how xander is just the worst how he's like he's like like i i i feel like i gotta start screaming just to get some touch that's something xander says in the first season and you're like yeah. whoa and he's constantly calling cordelia a whore even though buffy dresses more provocatively than cordelia does actually cordelia kind of wears business casual on the show if you actually watch what she wears but he's always like oh did you pick that up at sluts are us and you're like oh there are problematic things in this show but at the time the show was oh very much in line with what all the other shows in the time it was doing it was actually pushing the envelope toward feminism and now it's looked back at and there are things about the show that are a bad look and there are things about our show that if I were to go, I'm not going to censor our show and go deleting our old episodes, but no. there are things on our show that 10 years ago played differently than they do today. 
And there's always this part of me going like, are we, you know, are we forward thinking and going, yeah. is this going to be cool when it is no longer, you know, you know, it used like, I even look back as recently as monsters, which was ele- nine years ago. It was sort of accepted that racism against black people, bad racism against Muslims, bad racism against Jews, bad racism against Asians. That's kind of funny, right? It was everywhere. It was in every movie you look around and there's a few lines in monsters I'm not comfortable with anymore where I go, oh, oh, shit. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the same way that like Bill and Ted yell fag at each other twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Word usage, but yeah. yeah, when you and I growing up, I didn't like, need, and that's the thing. What's so interesting is I heard that word and it was a word that you would use negatively, but I don't remember it actually like finding out that it was in any way associated with being homosexual until much later in life. Yeah. Well, I, I knew you know what I mean? like homosexual, but it was just like, okay to do. And then you learned later, of course, no, it wasn't. Not only did it not become not okay to do, it was never okay to do. We just realized now that it was not okay to do. But yeah, we just evolved okay to, to a point where we're like, hey, that's actually not cool. So and, and, why are, and why is that a slur? Like also like, like, like throw like a woman, like you hit like a girl. I mean, just there's, there's tons of that kind of stuff. And I think, and that's why I, it's like I, I hope I want people to be evolved enough to be changing to be growing I want us to be changing and growing all the time um, and bettering ourselves obviously not um, not just changing for the sake of change um, and I hope that like like every time I hear about some actor or director or somebody that tweeted or did something uh, said something in a set back like in 1989 or some shit and people are like oh <gasps> And I'm like, okay. Well, like, we talked about was... James Gunn, right? We talked about James Gunn when he used to work for Troma, said all these horrible things they fired. Yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's like, and don't then... you think, like, we can't have learned and grown? Like, let, it, that's all I think it requires is to acknowledge, like, yeah, that was some shit I said. And. <sighs> It, it wasn't very informed and I'm yeah. I'm sorry for it now like that should be hopefully where we're all kind of going so that I like very recently I'll bring up a, a you know uh, I'm a little nervous now but uh, I was reading an article because I don't know if you've watched uh, Pixar's uh, newest um, soul yeah I really liked it actually I I did as well but then I had read this article uh, that kind of made it seem like it was not good for the African-American community and and kind of brought up some points as to why and compared it to an 80s movie that I remember really liking at the time, um, but it is absolutely an actor in blackface uh, called Soul Man. And I remember at the time being like, oh man, that's one I want to watch again. I'm really, I, I don't remember feeling like that movie was racist, um, but I'm white. You know what I mean? So what do I know? I want to watch it again with my experiences and what I've learned now. And Mr. A was like, you probably can't even find it. It's probably gone. I was like, well, see, now that's not good. How are we supposed to learn from like where people's thought patterns were if we don't have have it to look at if we don't have it to talk about because you can't yeah like I think you run i think you run the risk of forgetting and that's not good that's, well, that's i a also bad think thing. you need to look at it's important to look at the attention the intentions of the people involved i you know, think soul, so too and, I, I was, and i'll tell book, you 
that I rewatched it. I did find it. It was not unfindable. And I, I mean, again, I am not, I'm a white girl. So, but my feeling when I was watching it and as it progressed, um, like a line that really stuck with me, actually, uh, James Earl Jones's character is talking to him once he's admitted that he, you know, was a white guy that basically stole the, the scholarship, um, from the African American, um, that it was, you know, meant to go to. And he is like, you learned a lot about what, you know, you, you've got a, a unique perspective on what it is to be black. He's like, uh, no disrespect, sir, but I actually don't. Because at any time, I could stop. And I was like, I don't know how you think that a, a story where a line like that is said by the person who went through the experience. Um, I, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how we come away with that thinking that they were coming from a racist place. Like, I think they were coming from a good place. Was, you know, was it maybe, are there maybe things problematic about it? Perhaps. I, it's hard for me to say because I'm, you know, I, I I see the world through my lens. Like, that's how we all do. But, like, I just, I thought that was really, I was like, I don't know how you can hear that and think that they, the people who made it, that their hearts weren't in the right place is, was sure. to go to what well, you were Well, and saying. I think that's, that's, that's an important distinction to make. It is possible to have your heart be in the right place and also still be institutionally racist. You yep. know, so, Absolutely. so I, I watched, uh, th- there was a movie about Harriet Tubman that they made recently and, and kind of honoring what she did. But I had a friend of mine, um, um, a black man who said to me, you know, I'm getting a little tired of these movies about how brutal and horrible it is to have been a slave. And I was like, oh, cause I, I thought that your, your feelings about this would be very different because it's something that's, that's, that's honoring a black hero who did something you know, amazing. And he said, and, and it hit me. He said, can you imagine if the only Jews they ever showed in movies were the Jews of the concentration camps? And I was wow. like, I was like, oh, he's like, he's like, I want to see movies with, with black people in positions of power, with black people having three dimensional modern experiences with black people as CEOs. I want to see, you know, that that's what, that's what's empowering. I want to see, you know, I want to see black families with an intact father figure. I don't want to see any more movies about the hood and how, and how tough it is to be there. You know, it is tough. It is a tough thing. It is something that should be shown, but there is a disproportionate like focus yeah, on, like, that, on that on that and, 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 and not enough on like what I was saying yeah. earlier, uh, I don't know if we were actually on mic for this, but like so frequently when you watch movies, like you and I both happily married for a very long time. Um, I think we both consider ourselves very lucky for that. Um, but I noticed that so frequently in shows, it really strikes me whenever there is a marriage relationship that's good because it's disproportionately not there. And I'm like, I know that more people get divorced than are happily married for a really long time, but like those people exist too. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I, I think this, you know, not I that have- that's not, not that that's anywhere on the same level as, um, slavery and the no. hood and growing up. But I get, I get what you're saying though. But, I have the but same. But I, I see that. You know I have I the mean? same thoughts about the way that Christians are are portrayed in movies. They're either older, magical dudes who are always dressed as a Catholic priest, whether or not they're, they're actually, actually Catholic, a church. Catholic priest, who are there to provide you, the, the, the main character, with the believe-in-yourself talk, or they're horrible, you know, you know, vile, the worst yep. of the worst people. And, and you never just have, you know, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I'm really into my faith. I'm like, I'm like yeah, go Jesus. And, and then I'm also like just, you know, a normal person. 
person. That's it. That's, yeah. It's like, it's, it's a <laughs> big, kind of it. yeah, we're, we're, it's a big part of my life. And also that's okay. And I'm normal. I just read an article yesterday about the show legends of tomorrow, where they have a Muslim character on it named Zari. And when they were writing her, they actually hired a Muslim to consult with, to go, we want to make sure that we are portraying this in a three dimensional way. So we want her to practice her faith, but we don't want it always to be, we don't want the Chakotay. Yeah, yep. yeah, like, 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 and so, mm-hmm. so she loves Mortal Kombat. She, she's addicted to donuts. She, you know, she is a hero, but she sometimes is, is fearful. She's a little bit vain. She's all these things. And also she's a Muslim. That's a big part of who she is. And she is this fully realized three-dimensional character. And so- yep. And so I think that, you know, all of that is to say, and again, you know, we have very specific lenses and, and I think that people other than us and people who look different than us need to be in positions of power where they can make sure that they are being represented in the way that is the most empowering to them. Yeah. And there's, and, 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 and that's even going to fall. Like, I mean, the, the article that I read, like they tried to give credit, um, like there was not only did they bring in um, people of color to consult on the script itself for Soul, but they also had like a whole committee of people within Pixar that were like, that they were there to talk about inclusivity and to make sure representation, rep- like the representation wasn't tokenism and wasn't like Chakotay wasn't like, oh, it's all about the fact that they're black. Uh, you know, it's all about the fact that he's American Indian. Um, like they, they're just... I that and that's what it comes back to what you were saying like intent and I think that's what matters the most and hopefully I know the road to hell is paved with good intentions is a is a saying for a reason but uh, I like to think we'll hopefully get to a place where we're um where we're have more people more diversity at the top levels that are making the stuff um where it's just like on Star Trek like on Discovery like spoiler alert you know the the love story of that is a gay couple spoiler alert and I love it not, there is not a single heterosexual white male on the ca- in the main cast you're thinking about it you? you're going I am. through go through who who season one there was Lorca but then he ended up being a bad guy season two there was Pike but he was really more of a guest star huh what's great about that what I love about that is that we hit you don't even think about it do you yeah it's that's just, what I'm saying like that's what I love and that's if you look if you look at the original Star Trek all straight white men except for one Asian dude and one Asian dude and one black woman and that's and that's well, it. And, and and a Russian dude he, and a Scottish dude he was white Th- those are white people i know they're white people and they're straight i think the russian dude in particular was important because well, it was on time, purpose but it was still a very particular perspective because chekhov's russianness was that he occasionally liked vodka and he had a he had a, a an accent well and he Otherwise, thought that russia well and he thought that russia was the best at every level yeah but he was still call. just a straight white dude same with next yeah well, so, so now you get to this and you're like oh they are it is a it, it is a show that is inclusive to the point where you don't even notice which is what i think it should be yes like, that's where i want to get where it's like you're not looking to just fill the the roles and the you're like are we representing everybody we have this do we have that do we have like it's not a checklist we've just the diversity is is there and stamets the is not just a guy who happens to be gay they are celebrating his gayness they're celebrating his relationship with his well, husband yeah and it just loves. it doesn't but it doesn't define him i, th- yeah, I think it like is, it's it is yeah. simultaneously a big part of who he is whilst not being a definer of who he is and that is the and point i think that, yeah, that's and i the think place that's what you would have you would either have a person who quote unquote just happens to be and no he doesn't just happen to be he's like wake up in the morning and see his husband who he loves and wants to kiss and go 
I just happen to be gay. No, that's what and who he is, you know? And I think that what Discovery does so very well is it takes the time to celebrate the fact that people are different and to Mm -hmm. get past that old 1980s idea of a melting pot where we come in as individuals and then we all blend into one another and like, no, no, we're a, we're a lovely charcuterie board. Um, Like we are are of many different flavors and, and how cool that is. And I know that sounds like we're trying to be super duper woke and we're not, we're the least woke people guys. Like we, we, Like, like, like. I hope we're not the least woke. But, okay, um, but we're we're compared to where we're trying. I, compared <laughs> to where I wish we were as people, where I wish I was as a person. Like I, when I see how far I've come, it only reminds me of how far I have to go. And yeah, okay. and yep. when I think about our early shows and where Trekoff started off to to glide the show into a landing here. When we started off, it's been the, the most interesting journey for Trek Off for me um, in the last 10 years has been to grow from someone who just wanted to get a laugh and was like, I'm going to say or do anything I can think of to get a laugh. And I still will. It's not the last yeah. time I'm going to say, holy fuck balls. Um, yeah. Or you know, talk about not, cum sprinklers. It's not the like. last time that I'm going to say something that's going to sound objectifying of a beautiful woman. It's not the last time I'm going to say something. Or me. and you are a beautiful woman um it's not the last time that i'm going to say something uh that i am going 10 years from now to go i don't know but i think yeah like we're probably still gonna fuck up (laughs) like i I fully anticipate I think that credit must be given for trying, for taking yep. a swing at it. And maybe you fouled out. Maybe I'll use a sports metaphor. Weird. Um, maybe you hit a single. <laughs> maybe you hit <laughs> a single and you really should be hitting doubles at this point. Um, but you took a swing. You gave it a try. Soul Man as well. You know, they were trying something and they fouled out. It doesn't work now. It's not okay. The, the you know, Black people do not exist to teach us lessons about how to be better. Turns out there are people who have hopes and dreams and needs that need to be respected. <laughs> Turns out they're just people <laughs> like everybody else. Like, like, yeah, I think what we're trying to get to and I think what uh, it is and I think part of what at least drew always drew me to Star Trek, whether consciously or subconsciously, um, was that very idea of, of inclusivity without um, without losing individuality. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like I think when you look at the Federation, the whole idea behind it is we have these other cultures and we go in and we are respectful of their culture and we are interested in it and it is celebrated just as ours is celebrated by them. And we are sharing in that. We yeah, are accepting I, and sharing in that. And it makes us a more beautiful tapestry than if we just had this one type. And I think, and that's, I think a, that's what we're going toward, hopefully. And I think that's what Trekoff, the journey of Trekoff so far has been. You know, we're going to argue about shit. We're going to. Oh, know, yeah. We're still going to have terrible nerd arguments. Down. We're going to build <laughs> stuff up. We're going to we're going to freak out and say how awesome something was and then come back like five years later and go, well. <laughs> you know, we're going to be excited about everything that's out there. But the journey of Trek Off for me has been a journey of saying it is more important to think about how to be better, if only incrementally, if only just a little bit. It's important to take the swing at it and to fail and get better. You know, I have been sexist. I have been racist. I have been objectifying. I have been a form of objectifying where I refuse to see women in, the, in a sexual way. 
so denying sexuality. I've been sex negative. I have been ableist. I have been, you know, not an ally to people who've needed it. And listening to the show and listening to old episodes, which I do sometime, what I can see is that I'm never going to get there. We as a, we as a society will never get there. If someone tells you we've gotten there, fuck that person. Because, yeah, like you've got to always we're not, try. We're never going to get there. It is in trying to get there that we that we get where we can get. And I know I'm never going to get there, but the journey of Trekka for me has has been learning, listening to me getting from first base to maybe second base and not in the way I normally like to. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, there's a comment that's not going to play well in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> or maybe what, even can, today. Can, can like, I just, mean, at some point, why can't you just we ask can just for have consent? Fun. Why are you getting to some... Stop! Oh, no, it was a joke. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, but that's been the most important journey for me. As fun as it is to geek out about stuff, I think that what makes our show different now, because it started out our show was the show that we joke about sex, and we certainly do that. But I think that what makes our show different now is that we are kind of using talking about geek stuff to also explore where we are and where we need to get to. And that is yeah. us, if anything, is taking the spirit of Star Trek. You know, Star Trek Absolutely. Doesn't, Star Trek doesn't work if we're not in a broken society. Guys, guys, people. I say guys. That's something I'm trying to get rid of, by the way, because I'm from California. We always said you guys, and that's not cool anymore. Um, Star oh, Tre- really? I like, I'm, I'm the same way. I say you guys all the time. I know, but there's, there's, there is an innate sexism into it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, there's, there is, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to fuck up it's okay to have come to from a place that is not as good as the place you're in god help you if you have not come from a place that's not as good as the place you're in you should look back and go oh i was not as good then as i am now that is what you yeah. we, we used to say that you know i i, I talked about we, we've talked about the acting in the original series of star trek and you love it all and you're everything's always an a plus but we had an argument about five years ago where i said you know i can look at nimoy acting in the movies and go he is not as good an actor in the original series as he is in the movies why why how did that happen it turns out if you spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours acting over decades you get better at it (laughs) (laughs) and and i I think that that is a wonderful allegory for where we should be i don't want people to look back at where they've been with a deep sense of shame unless they've done something truly horrible because i don't i don't know how i don't think everything is just I mean, I know you're Christian and, and forgiveness is a big thing, but um, I think there's also something to be said for accountability depending on how far you've gone. Well, there like, needs to be, and I've said this recently, it's been a term that I've been using lately for people who were giant supporters of a political persuasion that I find almost indefensible sometimes, who are now turning the corner. And there are people who are really aggressive against those people going, going oh yeah, great, now you do. And I understand that sentiment, but on the other hand, yeah. people need a runway. People People need a space to go, I was fucky. I don't want to be fucky anymore. I want to be less fucky than I was. What can I do? Where do I go? And I want, like, I feel like. And sometimes it'll backfire on you. Like, that's, I mean, I don't know where you are. Oh, shit. I hope I didn't spoil anything for you and Cobra Kai, but like. Oh, yeah, don't. um, I love everyone. Let's stop. 
on that because I it's I yes I don't want to spoil that for anyone but there's there there is there is something in there um in terms of uh people of giving people that you that you would consider villainous uh a second chance well hell Uh, that's the entire point of Cobra Kai really with with Johnny he's the villain yeah he's the villain of Karate Kid he's a horrible if you watched How You Met Your Mother (laughs) How I Met Your Mother I I've seen the scenes I've I've watched the show but I've seen the scenes in in question I wonder if that is the germ of the of the show I'm Um, sure I'm certain it has like it has to be and it's such a gr- I'm so glad for it like whoever wrote that part uh, to, to Barney thank you for that because Cobra Kai is a great show <laughs> yeah. I think that ultimately 10 years of Trek Off has taught me to be a better person than I was and taught me that I'm not as good a person as I think I am um, and to always look for to dig deep into the cracks you know get get that moral toilet paper and dig deep and find the shit <laughs> that shouldn't be there because you can't walk around with it it's just gonna leave streak marks on your soul and, <laughs> and I think we've actually the most trek off the most trek off allegory I could possibly make wow yeah um I, and I think part of it too is with new trek coming up like having the ability to have the conversations that get sparked by the new episodes uh and I think that's what Star Trek was always meant to do, was always meant to start the conversation. It wasn't necessarily meant to say, hey, this is definitively what's right and this is definitively what's wrong. But have you thought about it like this? And then you have the conversation. And I think for me, that's definitely been a big part of my journey. And um, I didn't have that as like, certainly when I was a child watching with my father, you know, I wasn't having these, I was having these thoughts. Certainly I was, you know, this, it was affecting me, but I wasn't having these, these these like deep philosophical conversations with my father afterward, um, philosophical and social and, you know, what have you. Uh, and I get to do that with you now. And I think that makes a difference as well. Uh, I, I think it's cool to see that transition from, you know, our just love of what Star Trek was. And and yes, we would talk about that stuff sometimes too. Uh, and the freedom to curse, of course, because, you know, uh, I am really bad at not doing it. Oh. <laughs> And then, like now, being able to share the new experiences with you and and have those conversations uh, and record them and see if other people give a fuck. I want to hear it. And you guys um, have you all and have. or you, you know chime have. in yeah. like by all means like so. we 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 appreciate that you that you care what the fuck we're talking about and what we think uh, and we care we care what you think like chime in let us know what your thoughts are on stuff too like I'm all about it like I we're all on this journey together right I'm gonna this put this out here life I predict at least five more years of Trek off if not ten how weird will it be to say that we've been doing this show for twenty years oh wow I can't believe so it's wild. been a decade everyone I cannot yep. believe it it's crazy. It's That's crazy. Nice. I, I feel like we've been doing it forever, but also a decade, a decade. Yeah, like that decade. Surely not that two and a half long. times the length of high school. Yeah. What? What? Crazy. All right. My name is Justin. <laughs> my name's Alexi. Trek off. Trek off, bitches. Just one more reminder before you go to go to Totally Super on wherever you subscribe to podcasts, whatever you're listening to this on, search for Totally Super and hear me and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. It's an awesome show. I think you'll love it. Okay. Thanks for listening.